Welcome to Fusion Student Ministries. We hope this message equips and encourages you. Well, tonight we're going to talk about something, and I'm glad I didn't preach it last week. I think we needed uh, last week. I did. Uh, we all needed last week, man. Last week was so great. Um, but tonight I want to talk about something uh, that really every generation struggles with. Every generation. Doesn't matter if you're 10, if you're 20, 30, 40, 50. Every generation struggles with this. Um, you know, when I was, you know, a, a young teenager, I used to think, oh man, one day I'll outgrow this. And now that I'm 26, I'm realizing I'm watching adults older than me deal with the same thing. And it's not something that you outgrow. It's something that you have to be conscious uh, to make sure you don't fall into. And, and, and before I tell you what that something is, I don't want to taint your view. So I want to tell you that it's one of the biggest killers of your joy. It, it's one of the biggest killers of your joy. It's, uh, it's one of the biggest killers of your contentment. Uh, it, it'll, it'll kill love for, for anybody. It'll kill your kindness. It, it'll really, it'll kill your purpose and it'll kill your answers to prayers. Uh, and what I'm talking about is comparison. And tonight's message is going to be called The Dangers of Comparison. Now, if you think, well, I don't really struggle with that, just, just hold tight. Um, we all struggle with that. And I'm going to show you why I say that this generation struggles more than any other generation ever. I believe that. I'm going to say it again. This generation struggles more than any generation has ever struggled with comparison. And here's the reason why. Two words. Social media. Social media. That's why. Now, some people are already going to check out when I say that. Some people are already getting maybe defensive, like, well, nothing wrong with my, with my Instagram or my Facebook. And, uh, and in and of itself, I mention this all the time, there is nothing wrong with that uh, in and of itself. Um, but it can be a problem. Um, I want to I wanna talk about, uh, first off, I want to ask, does anybody remember MySpace? <laughs> okay, raise your hand if you had a MySpace. Okay, if, if you're under 20, you're lying and you're raising your hand. Or either that or you were late. Yeah, MySpace. All right, it, it, was, it was passed. Okay, so look, MySpace came out in 2003, all right? But it didn't get popular until 2005. So 2005 was like the hot year for MySpace. I never had a MySpace. Josh was, he had a MySpace. Woo-woo, go Josh. <laughs> I was 15. It's still there. So go Google Josh Menard's MySpace. Josh Menard's MySpace. Check it out. <laughs> Actually, maybe not. Okay, so MySpace. I was 15. So if you're in this room today and you're 15 years old, then you were two when MySpace came out. That means you were four when it got popular. How about Facebook? I'm sure everybody has a Facebook in here. If not, most people have a Facebook. When that came out, it was in 2004, but that didn't get popular until 2006. I was 16. So um, if, you were, if you're between 15 and 18 years old um, and you're in here, uh, you were between four and seven years old when Facebook first came out. How many of you remember when you were four? I don't remember when I was four. You, you know what you were thinking when you were four? No? Let me try to step up here. Um, so here's the deal. This is why I'm saying all that. Instagram, 2010. If you're 16, you were 10 when Instagram came out, right? So just do the math. My point in all of this is 
man, this generation doesn't know what it's like not to be bombarded with comparison. There's other generations. Look, for me, for example, I got a Facebook when I was 18, and I really was never on it. I probably was 20 before I really started uh, using my Facebook. So I went 20 years without every time I'm just constantly bombarded with, man, this person's doing this. What am I doing? Or this person's got this. What do I have? Right? So um, this generation doesn't really know what it's like to not have that problem. Now, the problem with social media is this. People only post their good stuff. Like nobody posts, man, I'm having a terrible day and like a selfie of themselves when they're not looking good or, you know, no one posts that. And, you know, if, if they do, they're going to get zero likes, right? Or some cheesy encouragement that doesn't belong on Facebook, right? <laughs> so no one does that. Pastor Craig Groeschel has, he summed it up like this. He said, we compare our behind the scenes with other people's highlight reel. We're comparing our behind the scenes with other people's highlight reel. So you might be sitting on your sofa on a Friday night and you have no plans. And next thing you know, you click on Instagram and you, your friends and, you know, they didn't invite you somewhere. And now they're all hanging out. Or maybe it's summertime and you're looking through your news feed and you haven't gone on vacation all year. And your friends on their third vacation. Right. And you're like, man, well, all of a sudden comparison starts to get in the way. And so and it gets more deep than that. It gets it gets more serious than that. And this is lighthearted. But I kind of want to do this uh, this exercise with you. And I'm going to show you guys um, an example in my life. And I'm going to have two choices to make at the end of looking at this picture. So, uh, James, if you want to put that picture up there, I'm going to get off of here so everybody can see it. So this is a really good friend of mine, uh, Travis, and this is his now his wife, Michaela. And so a uh, little backstory about me and Travis. Um, those of you that, that have heard before, I didn't get saved until I was 20. So me and Travis were friends way before I got saved. We were, we were we partied a lot together and did a whole lot of not so smart things. And I got so bad, he quit hanging out with me because I was the bad influence. So all of a sudden, so I'm way on this end of the spectrum, then I get saved and I'm way on this, like hyper-Christian on this end of the spectrum. And he's just totally confused as to what in the world is going on with this dude. Now he's this Christian guy, totally confused. So we had like a year of really not talking too much. But then we started hanging out again. We used to train together and and this and that. So um, I guess about a year and a half ago, him and Michaela, uh, they moved in together. And they had a housewarming party. And so I went. I went to the housewarming party. Uh, you know, everybody, I don't think maybe two people were Christians there, you know, but everybody else just hanging out and, um, you know, enjoying myself, catching up with, with people I hadn't seen in years. Well, about three months later, um, they had an engagement. And so they had an engagement party. So I went to that, same thing. Well, then they had a wedding shower. Went to that. We had a good little time. Um, and then they asked me to do their wedding. And so I was... I was psyched, man. Like Travis is my friend, you know, and um, I was super pumped. And so I did their pre-marriage counseling. We we did that for a while. Um, they've been coming to church and, and it's really a cool thing. And this past weekend, um, they got married. So James, you want to, or no, I'm sorry, I keep thinking James is running that. Mariela, let's do that next picture. Look at that. Her caption, when your view looks like a desktop screensaver. I know, I mean, you guys wait, sorry. 
Man, St. Lucia honeymoon sandals. Okay, so I have two choices right now, and I'm going to make them in front of you. Here's my two choices. I can either compare myself with these people in the picture and become envious and jealous and ask God, why is that not me? Man, Lord, I'm serving you, God. I've been serving you for six years. Why is that not me? I want to be in St. Lucia. Why wasn't that? Why wasn't that my wedding? Man, that was a nice wedding. What? What's the deal, Lord? What you doing? Or, or I can step back and say, you know what? Uh, can we put that picture of Travis and Michaela back up? Man, I am so proud of my friend. I really am. Travis is a good dude. He's a hard worker. Um, this guy worked tons of hours while he put himself through college. He coached all the whole nine yards. And, um, and, you know, the guy he was six years ago and the guy he is today, he's so much better of a guy today. And Michaela, man, she is a doll. She's awesome. She treats him so well. Um, she comes from a great family. Man, I'm, I'm happy for my friend. And you know what? To be honest with you guys, it was a blast wedding. Um, all of our friends served together. He literally had every one of his friends and some aspect of his wedding, even one officiating it. And I had a I had a great time. It was this past Saturday. We had a great time. Do you see the two differences of outcome in the choice that I made? I had, but but I, I'm confronted with that choice every time I see a picture on Facebook or Instagram. You you can observe, but if you allow it to go beyond an observation, and you start to make it a comparison, you you got You got to pick one because comparison only yields either or right? So I want you to imagine this with me. I'm going to jump into the message. Um, So how many of you are familiar with David? I know not everybody grew up in church, so maybe some people aren't, but um, David's one of my favorite Bible characters. I love him. I love him. Uh, Next to Jesus, he's my favorite. And so um, uh, I'm actually going to read my favorite verse here in a second, but I want to ask you a question. What if David had an Instagram? (laughs) What if David had an Instagram? It'd be crazy. We can take that in a lot of directions. But what if David had an Instagram? So what if he spent his time focusing on others and their blessings rather than on his own and what God had given him to do? So as we think about that, when we think of David or when I think of David, I think of David's highlight reels. I think of he killed Goliath. That's pretty. It's pretty gangster. Um, He was anointed king. That's really cool, right? I mean, David was the man. Um, But all we look at is this highlight reel. So I want to do a little bit more than that. I want to look at some of the behind the scenes of David's life, and then we'll look at his highlight reels. Um, But we see in in, in 1 Samuel 16, I'll sum up the beginning. So Saul, was he was running Israel. He was the king, and he became disobedient to God. And he was no longer doing what, what, what the Lord was telling him to do. And so God said, no big deal. I'm going to raise up a David. I'll raise up another leader. And so the prophet at the time was Samuel. So, so the Lord tells Samuel, hey, I want you to go to this land. And there's a dad named Jesse. He's got a lot of sons. And I'm going to show you one of his sons that's going to be the next king. And I want you to anoint him. So Saul does what he says. Saul goes check out Jesse's house, and we pick up um, in verse uh, 6. So let's read this. It says, can, can you guys see if I'm standing up here? 
Okay, I kind of like standing up here. Okay. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. So Samuel never met these guys. Okay. It's not like he had an Instagram or Facebook or, you know, he couldn't stalk this family. He gets there, boom, meets him for the first time. And before anyone says anything, before God says anything, he, he compares all of the brothers and says, man, this has to be the guy. This has to be the guy. But let's check out verse seven. This is my favorite verse in the whole Bible, by the way. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shema pass by. But Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Is, uh, so, so Jesse asked, are these all the sons you have? And then he replied, they're still the youngest, Jesse answered. But he's tending the sheep. And so if I'm Saul, I'm thinking, wait, so these guys are like, Sharp looking guys. I'm sure they're very elegant and they probably got some pretty high class jobs and pretty stout. Samuel. Yeah, not Saul. Samuel. Thank you, Josh. If I'm Saul, I'm running. No, I'm just like, <laughs> so if I if I'm uh, if I'm Samuel, that's what I'm thinking. And you know, David tending sheep. There's no there's nothing classy about that. That's a peasant job. And so he goes get him. He says, uh, you know, Samuel says, Send for him. I will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent and had him brought in. He was ruddy with a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. He is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. Samuel went to Ramah. So let's think real quick. Imagine with me. So David, David spent 15 to 25 years tending sheep. Man, that's a long time to tend some sheep, right? 15. If he started at 10, he spent 15 years. If he started younger than that, probably closer to 25 years tending sheep. And we, we read later on, it wasn't a whole lot of sheep unless his brothers were just being sarcastic, which we'll see what I'm talking about in a second. But man, I, that's really not a respectful position. So if you could put yourself in David's shoes, you're out tending sheep. No one's looking at you. All your brothers, man, they're they're like living life, man. They probably have families. They probably have like some seriously good jobs. I mean, this guy was known throughout the land. Jesse was known throughout the land. So they had some prestige there. And David's just a shepherd guy. So if you're David, right? I don't think I'm trying to think of a woman's name for David to to let you ladies. If if you were a guy and you were David, how about that? So if you're him and you walk up, Sarah, is that what someone said? If you're him and you walk up, how would you feel? Like, I thought about that as I, was, as I was preparing. Like, how would I feel if all of a sudden I get called out of nowhere, out of my dead-end job with no prestige, and someone says, hey, you're going to be the king of Israel? Man, I would be like, what? And so I'm sure, you know, when David heard that, he was probably ecstatic, man. He was probably like, 
what? He probably looked at his brothers, you know, and I'm sure he was hoping to hear his brothers say like, man, congrats, dude, like hugging him, like high-fiving him, all this type of stuff. Or, or man, hey, we're going to support you 100% of the way or all this stuff. But that's not at all what he got. Instead, he got the opposite. They despised David. They despised him. We'll see in the next chapter that they were mocking him, even whenever he went to bring them food. But what if they'd have taken the first approach? So what if instead of comparing themselves to David, what if they'd have taken the first approach? Chances are they'd have had a room in David's palace. They'd have had some even higher prestigious government job. Their families would have been taken care of, all that type of stuff. But but they didn't. And so what about the other highlight reel? David beats Goliath. Let's look at that. So the first highlight reel, of course, he gets anointed king. Let's look at the second one. 1 Samuel 17, uh, starting in verse 28, says, um, when Eliab, well, let me preface, let me preface um, this. So David, oh man, he's still tending sheep. After he gets anointed, he goes right back to tending sheep. And his dad tells him, hey, here's some food. Your brothers are out there fighting. Take this food to your brothers. And so, man, David, still humble, man. He takes this food to his brothers. They're soldiers. So he brings it, and that's where we pick up. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. So David's reply is, Now what have I done? Can I even speak? So you can see there's some turmoil there. They don't get along as brothers, right? And there's a lot of comparison already in, in what we're reading. So he turned away and went to someone else and brought up the same matter. And the men uh, answered him as before. So what he's upset about, what he's angry about is when he spends his time tending these sheep, he's worshiping God. He's, he's growing in his relationship with God. Nobody's watching him. And he gets on this battlefield and he sees these people who are supposed to be soldiers, ridiculing the God that he's worshiping. And when he hears that, he's astounded that nobody is just shutting this guy up. And that's what he's so uh, worked up about. So it says, um, what David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. So David's probably you know, letting people know, look, dude, somebody needs to go out there and shut this guy up. So they tell Saul, hey, David's out here saying he'd do it. So David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. But he's just a shepherd boy. Saul replied, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a boy. And he's been fighting men since he was youth or since his youth. So he's saying, look, dude, you're a shepherd and you're just a little boy. This guy, when he was a boy, he was fighting out there. You ain't got a shot. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Now, we know that he goes out there and he does what he said he would do. He goes out there and he kills 
Goliath. But that's the highlight reel. Here's what I want to focus on. It was David's behind the scenes that led to his highlight reel. It wasn't when people were watching him that led to his highlight reel. It's when people weren't watching him. So David was faithful with what God had gave him in the wilderness when no one was looking. Now he was entrusted with another opportunity from God, but this time it was public. You know, I think a lot of times we're ready for that public opportunity, but we're not faithful in the private opportunities. I know that's not just true uh, for some of us. That's true for all of us, including me. So he developed his skills to be used by God on another level this time. But what if David would have had an Instagram? What if he'd have been in that field and he'd have just been swiping and comparing himself to his brothers? What if he'd have been saying, well, what about this guy? Man, I work way harder. I get no recognition. And my brother's got a family or he got a raise or my dad just gave him the the first house we lived in. Or what if he'd have been doing that? See, the truth is, if he would have been doing that, he wouldn't have noticed the bear take the sheep. He'd have been too busy comparing himself. And while he's comparing himself and the lion comes and takes the sheep, he'd have still been pretty busy. Now, maybe he'd still be worshiping God, but he'd have got himself in quite a bind when he got to Goliath because he wouldn't have developed his skills in the wilderness. See, David didn't allow that to happen, though. Chances are he wouldn't have been anointed king either. And I think if David had an Instagram and he allowed it to take over his comparison or his his desire or his temptation to compare, and he wouldn't have developed those skills, he'd have ended up in that field and he'd have ended up killed by Goliath. And chances are we wouldn't even know who he was. He wouldn't even be written, written about in the Bible. How many people allow comparison to take themselves right out of God's lineage, right out of God's plan, and right out of God's purpose. See, that's why I'm saying comparison's dangerous, and it's one of the biggest purpose killers out there. So there's a few reasons I'm going to give you tonight. There's a ton, and, uh, and I was convicted personally way more than I have time to preach about. Uh, this was one of the, the hardest and best things for me to, to study of. A study for, but comparison is dangerous because it causes several things. The first one is comparison produces one of two things, either superiority or inferiority. Another way to say that is insecurity or pride. It's a, it's a better than, worse than statement that we, we make or, or the thoughts that we have. An example, man, uh, that guy's got a better vehicle than me or wow, they have a worse house than me, or, you know, I make way better grades than this person, or, man, that person makes way more money than me. You know, it's, 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 either, it's either insecurity or pride. You know, I heard something the other day that, man, people, um, man, if they don't get 300 likes on a picture, and, and, I, and it's just several people will do this, then they'll delete the picture. How many people, you, you know, I know, I'm looking around, everybody's like, yeah, yeah, that's true. It's true because where's the gauge come from? Comparison. That's where the gauge come from. And you know, guys, this isn't something that you outgrow. It all, you always have that opportunity. I could have did it with that picture I showed you earlier. Could have didn't them. The second thing comparison does, the second reason that it's dangerous is it takes our focus off of who God has called us to be. 
off of who God's called us to be. There's a lot of people in here need to hear that. Off of who God's called us to be. 1 Corinthians 12, 11 says, it's one, it's, it's, it is the one and only Holy Spirit who distributes these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. He alone decides. The Holy Spirit decides the gifts you have. So every person has been given a different gift, a different purpose, and a different opportunity in this life. And they're all equally valuable. There's not one gift that's not just as valuable as the next gift. Remember, God looks at the heart. People look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. We need to be more like God. We need to strive to be more like God and look at the heart of people. The truth is, we don't go anywhere but down when we compare ourselves with other people. Albert Einstein said this quote, and a lot of you have probably heard this before. Um, I'm going to read it anyway. It says, everybody is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it's stupid. I don't have it up there, so I'm going to read it again. It says, everybody's a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it'll live its whole life believing that it's stupid. So I was praying on that because sometimes I'll read something and it's like the Holy Spirit kind of tells me to pump the brakes a little bit. And so I reread it and I prayed about it. And this isn't like necessarily a Christian quote. So I was kind of wondering why I was praying over this, but the Lord had me rewrite something. And this is what it says. God has given everybody a purpose and a gift. But if you, if you compare your gifts and purposes with someone else's, you'll hinder your life's purpose and never grow in your gift. You'll hinder your life's purpose and you'll never grow in your gift. The third, the third reason comparison is dangerous is comparison causes us to be unthankful or ungrateful. What I have or who I am is not as good as that person. So rather than being grateful for what God has done for us so far, we act as though we don't even appreciate his blessings in our lives. We don't appreciate the opportunities that we do have. Um, we're not taking advantage of stewarding what he has given us. Romans chapter 1 verse 22 says, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. So their thinking became futile. And their foolish hearts were darkened. The fourth and, and final reason that comparison is dangerous for us is this. Comparison causes us to covet. Comparison causes us to covet. That means like, I want what they have and they shouldn't have it. That's one of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not covet, covet. And comparison leads to that. Covetousness leads to jealousy and envy. So James chapter 3 says this. It says, but if you, are, if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't brag about being wise. That is the worst kind of lie. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and motivated by the devil. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder in every kind of evil. That's the NIV, but I like what the New King James says. That's what I read on my personal time. It says, but if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but it is earthly, sensual, and demonic. 
For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. So I want to define those two two words we kind of read here, envy. Envy and jealousy aren't the same thing. Envy is when you covet things. So envy is when you covet things like, I want their house. They don't deserve that. Or, man, that person has something nicer than me. They shouldn't have that. I should have that. And jealousy is when you covet people. So it might be like, man, I want that that guy they're dating or that girl they're dating. Or, um, you know, I despise. Maybe it's something about people. Man, I despise how that person's outgoing and I'm not. Or I despise how that person's book smart and I'm not. Or it's it's saying in your heart, I want what they have and they shouldn't have it. That's the people aspect. So as I was thinking that, I thought, man, like, seriously, if we take this and put it in, into a practical um, aspect, I don't want to be friends with people like that. Do you? Anybody in here want to have friends like that? Man, I don't want to be that either. <laughs> and I got to be careful because if I give in to comparison, man, I can become that. No one's above it, including myself. And I got to humble myself before you guys. I've been that. I've been that far more times than I, than I wish I, I would have. And, and I, I got to be careful that I don't fall back into that. And the truth is this, you not wanting God to bless someone else, it could be the very thing that's stopping God from blessing you. That could be the very thing that's stopping God from blessing you. So how do we fight comparison? How do we fight comparison? I'll give you four ways, um, not inclusive, but it's, it's what we got for tonight. The first way is, is thankfulness. Be thankful. In 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, chapter 5, starting in verse 16, it says, Always be joyful. Keep on praying. No matter what happens, always be thankful, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. How many people belong to Jesus in here? Who's saved? If you're saved, raise your hand. Okay. That's you. So Jesus is saying, always be thankful. I know that's easier said than done, but it's 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 way harder when you're when you're stuck in comparison. So if you if you choose a heart of thankfulness, it's really going to help you to fight against comparison. The second thing is glorify and magnify God. Focus on what God is doing in your life and give him glory for all the good in your life because the truth is this, guys. Every good thing comes from God. James chapter 1 verse 16 says, don't be deceived, my brothers. I want to stop right there. James is saying, don't be deceived, dear brothers. Why is he saying that? Because you cannot realize this next part here. Anytime he prefaces something, it's, it's always important to stop. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. So what he's saying here is, no, nah, you're not lucky, man. You, you, you're not lucky. It's not just happenstance that something good is going on. If it's good, it's from the Lord. If it's good, it's from the Lord. So focus on the good God is doing in your friends' lives and be happy for them. Enjoy their blessings with them, even if they've received something that you haven't. I can't tell you how many times I'll be praying for something, praying for something, praying for something, and bam, my best friend gets it. He wasn't even praying for it. Or I'll desire something so bad and the neighbor gets what I want. That's like, what? And so, but I've, I've learned. Romans 12, 15, rejoice with those who rejoice 
and mourn with those who mourn. You know, I've noticed this. If my friends will be blessed with something that I really like, and I rejoice with them, and I get excited with them, and I make a big deal out of their blessings, I have the same joy they have. I make a big deal out of my friends' blessings. Well, I I try to. I should. I need to do it more. But that's what we should strive to do. We need to make a big deal out of things when people get it. And I want to give you, I want to tell you a story. How many of you know Mr. John, uh, head of maintenance here? So Mr. John, look, he he's a, a undercover giver, all right? Like this dude, he blesses people all the time. Um, you'd never know it because he, he's quiet and he's a really nice guy, but he's just quiet. But he's a that's a powerful man of God. Listen, when I want someone to pray for me, I'll come back here and get him to pray for me. Mr. John's an awesome guy. He don't forget birthdays. He don't forget stuff. He, he really focuses on people. He's a great dude. And today I was up here preparing, and when I walked down, I noticed there's a new truck he's been driving. So I asked him, I said, hey, I said, uh, what happened to your other truck? And he, so he started to tell me the story. You know, someone gave him a truck. Someone just came up to him and said, hey, listen, we want you to have this. Gave it to him. I love that, guys. I love that. So I took a moment, and we celebrated that together. And you know what? When I left, I felt like I got a new truck. <laughs> I took, it's like, a, it's like the Lord blessed me with that joy. The third thing is pray for one another. Pray for one another. Now, why am I saying this? Because when you're praying for someone to receive something and they receive it, it's kind of hard to compare yourself and get jealous because you asked for that. You know, pray for something. The story uh, that I have here is, is this. Um, my best friend, uh, you know, we've been friends for, uh, I don't know, eight, nine years now. Um, Man, he he went through a really tough breakup, I guess about eight years ago or seven years ago. And, um, you know, man, I know guys don't show it, but, you know, when guys go through a tough breakup, they cry. Every guy in here would lie if they tell you that's not true. So, man, we would we would go and, man, my buddy would be upset, you know, and uh, two in the morning, three in the morning. There's so many mornings that we would we would just sit together and, you know, we just talk and all that stuff and. Man, I spent a lot of time, him and I both, praying through that situation. And I used to pray and ask the Lord all the time, God, bless my, bless my best friend with an awesome wife. I know this is all going to be a tough time, but it's going to be worth it because he's making the right decision. He's following you. God, bless my friend. I was just clowning him about two years after I started praying that. And I took a picture of him talking to some girl uh, at some Christian conference we went to in Dallas. Well, I didn't realize what I just caught on the camera was the first time he ever met his wife. And I, I, I wish I, he has the picture. It's, it's on my old phone. I was trying to get it for tonight, um, but I couldn't get it. But he ended up getting married. And let me tell you guys something. If I could have like made up the, my own person for my friend, I wouldn't have done this good. They are so compatible with each other. It's awesome. And it's a blessing. And, I, and, and him and I prayed for that. There's no room for comparison in a situation like that. So pray for people. James 5, 16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Now, the last thing is renew your mind. Renew your mind. Read and apply your Bible. And how does that fight comparison? Ephesians chapter 4 says, You were taught 
with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. It's deceitful desires to be made new with the attitude of your mind. To, be, to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And then in James chapter 1, verse 22, it says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he's heard, but doing it. Here's the kicker. He will be blessed in what he does. Let's stand. He'll be blessed in what he does. So comparison is dangerous. And it's dangerous because it'll kill your purpose. It'll kill your purpose. I can't tell you how many times I despised my wilderness experience, so to speak. I did. Um, And I wish I had examples to give you of the times that I didn't take them serious. Um, But chances are, I I don't know what those are. But I can tell you this. There's so many times that I stopped and just paused for a second. And I thought, you know what, God, I'm gonna get as much as I can get out of this. And that's always the things that the Lord reminds me of. Hey, remember you were struggling with this and, or you were in an area that no one was watching and you were faithful? You remember you stewarded those small things really well? That's what, that's what I'm using right now. Just like David, he wouldn't have killed Goliath if he wasn't faithful to kill that bear and that lion. So I just want you to close your eyes right now And man, maybe while I was preaching, maybe the Lord put something on your heart. Maybe maybe you're in some type of a wilderness experience. Maybe you've given way to comparison. Comparison's a dangerous thing. And just allow allow the Holy Spirit to show you what that is right now. And the good thing, like we said at the beginning, is it's never too late to let something go to God. It's never too late. So right now, guys, I'm going to pray over you. And I want you to just release whatever that is. Lord Jesus, I pray that we would not give way to the sin of comparison. God, we know that everybody has a different purpose. Everybody has a different gift. And they're all equally as as valuable. And Lord, we want to grow in ours. We want to focus on ours. And we want to look inward. God, we don't want to give way to comparison and become bitter or or envious or jealous. But God, we want to grow. Jesus, I pray right now that every student, Lord, they invite you in to whatever it is that, that you were showing them. God, you can show us something and we can still not invite you into it. So right now, God, we just invite you in to whatever situation that is, whatever circumstance that is, and we ask you that you'd have your way in that. Lord, forgive us, me included. Forgive us for giving way to comparison. Lord, we want to be good stewards of what it is you've entrusted us with. Help us to rejoice with those who rejoice. God, help us to be excited for the blessings that our friends have. Now, Jesus, I just pray that as we walk out of here tonight, you would solidify whatever it is that spoke to each student individually. God, that they would be able to carry this 
this lesson on into the rest of their week. Lord, I know that there was something for everybody tonight. God, I pray that your hand of protection would be on every student. Lord, I I pray that you would protect them in every form and fashion. God, I pray physically that you would protect them. Lord, I pray spiritually that you'd protect them. God, I pray emotionally that you would protect them and mentally that you would protect them. Jesus, we love you and we honor you. And Lord, we just give you all the praise and all the glory for the good that you've done so far in our lives and the good that you're going to do in our lives. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, thanks for joining us. For more info on Fusion, you can check us out on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram. Thank you.